Hello, everyone. Lee Arnold here with Country Music Conversations. Today, we'll be visiting with one of the stalwarts of traditional country music, Gene Watson. But before we start this conversation, here are a few words from our sponsor. Country Music Conversations with Lee Arnold's podcast is made possible by our sponsor, MarketSmith, Inc., the digital media agency that's been growing brands like Toomey, Shark Ninja, New Jersey Lottery, PSE&G, Blue Mercury Cosmetics, and Dick Sporting Goods. You know what makes this agency so good at what they do? Because simply being a marketing agency is no longer enough. Solution-based, problem-solving, and ever-evolving, they create enduring value for DTC and B2B brands by opening up and growing marketing channels. Their patented AI offerings, informed by human intelligence, allow them to act with agility and intellect. I was speaking with the CEO not too long ago, and she was saying they take on clients who know who they are, who want to grow, and clients that know what they want. These big brands choose MarketSmith because they want to merge with a partner who'll make them exceptional and an agency that will grow their revenue. Digital marketing is not easy, but MarketSmith, Inc. knows when to make the media dollars work hard for their clients. You have a brand you want to grow? Well, contact MarketSmith.com and tell them Lee Arnold sent you. Texas born and bred, he's most famous for number one hits like 14 Carat Mind, Love in the Hot Afternoon, and his famous signature song, Farewell Party. Gene was born in Palestine, Texas, raised in Paris, Texas, and in 1963 moved to Houston. His music career took off in the 60s, where he performed in local clubs at night and during the day, worked in an auto body shop. He gained a following in the Houston area and then recorded for a few small regional labels. His big break came when Capitol Records signed him after hearing his album Love in the Hot Afternoon, then released it nationally. Released in 1975, it reached number three on the Billboard magazine's Hot Country Charts. He continued to have success in the 70s, recording several top 40 hits, including Paper Rosie, Should I Go Home or Should I Go Crazy, Nothing Sure Looked Good on You, and Farewell Party, and became so successful that he named his band after that hit called Farewell Party. In 2012, Gene celebrated his 50th year in the business, and he released the best of the best, 25 greatest hits. This collection was re-recorded to recreate the originals as closely as possible. The session was produced by superb steel player Dirk Johnson and released on Gene's own label, 14 Carat Music. Two years later, Gene went back into the studio and recorded an 11-track CD titled My Heroes Have Always Been Country, covering hits of the musical heroes such as Merle Haggard, Ray Price, Lefty Frizzell, and Willie Nelson. In 2016, Gene released his 33rd studio album titled Real Country Music. 
This collection was all traditional country titles, including the first release of an obscure Chris Christopherson song called Enough of You. Then in 2018, Gene went back to record a collection of gospel songs called My Gospel Roots. The first single from the album, Old Roman Soldier, ended up both number one on the cash box and the country gospel charts. Among the many honors bestowed to Gene, he was inducted into the Texas Hall of Fame in 2002 and inducted into the inaugural class of the Houston Music Hall of Fame in 2013. Gene received the Entertainer of the Year Award from the Rope Organization in 2018. And in 2020, Gene was invited to be a member of the Grand Old Opry by none other than Vince Gill. Gene Watson has been a staple on the syndicated series Country Family Reunion, and he's a frequent guest on the cable show Larry's Country Diner. One of Gene's closest friends, who he's recorded duets with and appears with in Branson, is Rhonda Vincent of Bluegrass and Country Music fame. The conversation we'll be listening to took place on Gene's bus back in 1989. Here now is Gene Watson. Gene Watson, and a hot, hot night. Yeah. Somewhere in the USA on Gene's bus. But you had a little problem with the generator before us. That, that's the plague of running a bus all over the country, I guess, Gene. Yeah, well, there's always a problem somewhere, but we managed to overcome it one way or another. <laughs> Boy, you really had a good set. You know, watching you on stage is watching someone like a country music legend get up there and sing hit after hit after hit. Now, very few artists can go up on stage and sing the kind of songs that you do and get the reaction from the crowd because they all know your music. Well, you know, the folks have been good to me in the past and everything, uh, Lee. I wouldn't take I wouldn't take nothing from my fans. Uh, of course, you have to have the radio stations and all like that to play the, the songs and everything, but my fans mean more to me, you know, than, well, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And they have been the reason for all the hit material that I've recorded and all like that, the reasons that they were hits. And it makes it easy when you can walk out there and, and uh, you know, when you do these things, you got to be satisfying some people because they're the ones that, that made them hit records for me. On the personal side, you're now a granddaddy, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, for two years now. Yeah. My granddaughter by my son and his wife, and oh, she's the, she's the apple of my eye. And gets away with murder, I guess. Oh, yeah. She can do no wrong. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but you're right. <laughs> That's why she's so special. Hey, she knows if she can ever get over to her grandpa's house. She's got it. She made. She calls me Cop-Paw. Does she? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't, I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't trade her for nothing in the world. She's, she's great. She country music fan? Oh, yeah. Man, she's got a little guitar, a little plastic guitar, and her favorite saying is, here's one that's going to be out. <laughs> she's heard me say so many right. times, you know, here's something we just recorded and it'll be out, so-and-so, and she says, here's one's going to be out. <laughs> she's adorable. She sounds great. I wish you all the best with her, Gene. Your latest single is called The Jukebox Played On from your uh, album with Warner Brothers, and it's uh, starting to do pretty pretty well for you yeah uh, i think it was the best debut album millboard this week and everything it makes me feel good uh, i like the song I, I like the song a whole lot when we recorded it it's got a got a good beat you know good groove and everything it's a it's a fun song to do uh and i just well i'm keeping my fingers crossed and hope everybody else likes it the blues thing worked for you the first single from the album don't waste it on the blues yeah that was a song that 
that I picked out. I had always wanted to record a song like that, and Greg Brown and I uh, were together. Greg's with Warner Brothers and one of my producers and everything, and, and he said, hey, let's let's go for it. So I went in the studio and just, you know, working with Greg and Paul and Ed and all like that, about all I got to do is just sit up there and sing, you know, so it made it real easy. But I was proud of that song, too. When I picked the song, I had no idea that it would ever be a single, much less the first single for Warner Brothers. And uh, it was, and I was tickled to death, it was a top five song in the nation. So, you know, we're, as the album title says, back in the fire. Yeah, you sure are. There was a while there where you weren't back in the fire, where things were kind of, well, just going along. You were working, crowds were coming out to see your shows, but you really have to have the hit record to really have that longevity in country music? Well, Lee, again, that goes back to all of my past track record and everything. Everyone had been so good to me. I had had so much success in the past and everything that during my three-year-long dry spell, it didn't affect me as much as it, it could have uh, because even though the radio stations didn't have anything that, that was in the charts or anything they were playing or anything like that, they played all of my old material. And, boy, I'll tell you, you know, I thank them so much. I, I, I never could thank them enough because they kept me working. They kept me going. If I hadn't had all these hits from the past, they wouldn't have had anything to play. And guess what? Gene Watson would have been at home working on cars. That's another thing you do. You work on cars. You're originally a sheet metal worker. And your real joy is working and tinkering around with cars when you're home off the road. Still. Yeah, it's it's kind of my release. You know, when I get in off the road, uh, uh, my brother and I, Eddie Watson, uh, we I've got a little shop there, and he works for me and everything. And he does the body work and, and along with me, and I do all the paint work. He won't do no paint work, but we have a good time with it. it you know, it's not necessarily a money-making organization. It's a non-commercial outfit and everything, but it's my hobby. It's what I like to do, and, and it gives me a lot of pleasure. gets my mind off of what we do when we're on the road, you know, 24 hours a day. So without it, I'd go crazy. Gene Watson is definitely a country singer. Make no bones about it. No crossover with Gene Watson. And for a long time there, before Randy Travis came along and George Strait, Ricky Skaggs with a rebirth of traditionalism, uh, traditionalism was kind of, kind of out in the cold. Well, it was because the music stayed there, but the generation changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed it. I saw the country generation, you know, getting weaker and weaker. And I'm talking about the traditional country music that I was so well known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of it kind of laid there for a while. Then here comes Randy Travis. Here comes George Strait, Dwight Yoakam, you know, Ricky Scat. What can I say? I could go on with, with a lot of the new artists. And, you know, with them, they brought a brand new generation. And it tickles me to death because now a lot of the new generation is is uh, talking among themselves saying, hey, have you heard this Gene Watson, man? You know, and, and our crowds are growing tremendously. And, and I, I owe a lot. I think a lot of, of, of the guys like myself, Merle Haggard, George Jones, I think we owe a lot to the youngsters because uh, they're, they're opening the eyes of a whole new generation, you know, and, and welcoming, them, welcoming them right on into country music, which is my life. And it tickles me to death. It's such a pleasure. You know, we've got we've We've got our fans that stayed by us and so, you know, through, through so much. And yet we've got brand new people that a lot of them come out to hear me for the first time. And it's just great. I know you're enthused about country music today, Gene, as you always are, particularly the, the rebirth of traditional country music. But what really gives you the feeling that you have for country music? Where do you see it going? How do you feel about it right now? Lee, I think, I think country music will always be around because... Uh, the younger generation that's out there now before too awful long or, but well, before too awful many years, they're going to be right where I 
am mm-hmm. right now, uh, like the Randy Travises, you know, and, and the George Straits and everything. It won't be too long before they'll be doing the same thing that I was doing when I first started out. So I think it's going to revolve. I think it'll probably go through a lot more hard stages. But I think country music's here to stay, and I'm just thankful that uh, that we've got a, a brand new start on a brand new career and everything because people are just so nice to us everywhere we go. Your songs have been carefully chosen. You've been at home and relaxed with a ballad, very comfortable with that, but yet can handle an up-tempo song just as well. And I guess when you look at the balance of both up-tempo songs and ballads, you've been successful with both sides of the coin. Well, I, I probably am one of the biggest suckers in the world for a ballad. I love ballads, slow waltzes and all like that. But you're right, medium to up-tempo songs have been good to me. So I... Overall, I would hate to have to pick a favorite of which I'd rather do. Uh, I think there's an appropriate time, uh, you know, working audiences all across the United States. I think there's appropriate time in the show for an up-tempo song or a slow song either. And I love both of them. I'm looking, just thinking about history here. And I look at 1981, going back about eight years. Number one song across the board for you called 14 Carat Mine, which you did tonight. Always have to be part of your show. Yeah, that's that's been that's been one of my favorite songs ever since I heard it. Of course, it was written by Dallas Harms and uh, Dallas Frazier and Larry Lee. Uh, but you know that was back. I, I got that song off of a reel to reel tape. You know they wasn't even sending out demos on cassettes or anything. And uh, it's just funny. I knew the I knew the first sixteen bars of that song when I heard it. I had to record it, and I knew it was going to be a big record for some reason or other. Uh, just that that gut instinct. I knew it was going to be a big record, and sure enough, it was. It was a number one song for us. And, of course, uh, you did the ones with uh, those ballads that got a little bit on the the seedy side of life, shall we say, with uh, the twisted wet sheets and <laughs> the sultry hot afternoons in Georgia. Scary. I mean, in, in New Orleans, loving yeah, the hot yeah. afternoon. Yeah, scary. <laughs> uh, they were, they, you know, I, everybody said, man, you're taking a big chance and everything, you know, uh, the particular song being Love in the Hot Afternoon. But yeah. uh, I decided, you know, it had been recorded so many times and the words changed around and all like that. But I, did, I decided to record it exactly the way Kent, Math, uh, Kent Westbury and Vince Matthews had written it. And it was a gigantic song for us. It was not a number one song. And it, it, it really amazed me because it finished through the entire year for number four in the in the nation. Finished a number four song in the nation, and there was a number one song. But uh, I imagine between it and Farewell Party, that's the ones that I'm probably best known for. Signature song, Farewell Party. What a strong message. Such a hard song to sing. I bet, it's hard, I, I bet it really takes a lot out of you when you sing that, and a lot goes through your mind knowing how it relates to people out there. Yeah, you know, so many people look at that song in, in probably in different ways, but... Everybody looks at it as something that they love, and that's one thing that startled everybody because so many people thought negative about me recording the song. It was so sad. It was so morbid and all like that. And, you know, it was a, it was a deal that we – it must have been meant to be because we recorded it in 15 minutes. But, uh, you know, if there's no way in the world, Lee, I could start a show with Farewell Party because I couldn't sing it that early in the show. Uh, and I think if I tried to do it in the middle of the show, uh, they wouldn't, you know, they, they wouldn't settle for anything else I had to do. So we close our shows with it and people are so nice. And, and uh, yeah, if I didn't do Farewell Party, they'd crucify me before I got off the stage. Was there a story behind Should I Come Home or Should I Go Crazy? Yeah, it was a Joe Allen song. Uh, Joe Allen wrote the song and Joe Allen released the song. It was on a single by him. And unfortunately, it never did do anything. And I didn't know the story behind the song, but... 
uh, I told him that I wanted to re-record it, and he thought that was great, and so I did, and he got to telling me. He got the tune of that song from an old song that my mother used to sing when I was just a kid called Tweedle Twill. That is the original tune to that song, and how he got it through there, I'll never know. But uh, it was a it was a big record for us, and I thank Joe Allen for that. You know, another one that went to number four in the charts nationally was "Nothing Sure Looked Good on You." Yeah, <laughs> another <laughs> Joe Allen song. Yeah. Uh, Joe Allen was good to me back then. Him and Dave Kirby both we we hitched up a lot of big songs together. Uh, but "Nothing Sure Looked Good on You" uh, probably. Uh, I'm wrong too. He didn't write that. Jim Rushing did, but uh, you know, we Jim was good to me too. But that was that was one song that probably more people got the title wrong than any song I ever recorded. They always wanted to hear you. She looked good with nothing on, <laughs> <laughs> which I always got a laugh. But it was a big record for us. And and uh, again, you know, I can't thank all the people enough that have been involved in my career because they're they're what's kept me going. Not too long ago, I entertained the thought of, of giving it up. Did you really? I really did. I, I'd done a lot of deep thinking about it, and I thought, maybe I've accepted everything that country music has to offer me. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was just before the contract signing with Lib Hatcher and, of course, later on the contract with Warner Brothers. And I was really down, Lee. I, you know, I didn't want to push I didn't want to push my way on the business because, you know, as well as I do, there's a lot of young artists out there that deserve a shot at it. And, and I really thought about getting out of it and... Uh, Fortunately for me, Lib and uh, one of my ex-managers, Russ Reeder, mm -hmm. you know, told me that that was the craziest thing I could ever think of doing. And, and I appreciate him for that because everything sure has, you know, picked up. And I'm not necessarily looking at my career as a comeback. I'm looking at it as a brand new beginning for me because that's that's more or less what it is. I've got a new generation of people out there I'm working to as well as my old fans and everything. And I've got everything to look forward to. I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed and hope everything keeps going good. Still enjoy the road? Yeah. Yeah. When I get my rest and everything, uh, I really do. It gets tiresome. You know, you get worn out. You get to feeling bad and all like that. You get road weary. But, you know, two steps on the stage and you see those faces out there and you're automatically rejuvenated. And uh, I don't think it'll I don't think it'll ever get old to me. Last but not least, one song that's really country music is noted for story songs with a message and a moral. And cowboys don't get lucky all the time is one that brings smiles to everybody's faces. You know, that's uh, it's 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 odd to think because. Uh, this song sounds like something that a, a Texan would tell the truth about. Me being a Texan, I can say that. But the song was written by a Canadian, the same Canadian that wrote Paper Rosie, The Old Man and His Horn and all that. And I'm speaking about Dallas Harms. Uh, and I never I never did figure out how he come by this song. Uh, but he's a great storyteller, one of the best I know. And he studies people. He studies uh, traditions. Uh, he's a great historian. And... For some reason or other, he put this song together, and I, I got it, and it was a great song for me. I always have a lot of fun doing the song. It's always such fun being with you, Gene, on the road or wherever we meet in Nashville or somewhere along the way here in the United States. Uh, you've been a great favorite of everybody in country music and will continue to be for a long time to come. And wish you and the family all the very, very best. I appreciate it, Lee, and you've always been nice to me and everything. And, and I'll tell you what, I hope, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, but I hope I never let the people down that made me what I am because when I'm out here on the road, uh, my life's their life, you know, and I want to, I want to devote everything I've got to them. And, uh, I love every one of them. Thanks, Gene. And there you have it. Our conversation with Gene Watson. 
Be with me next week for a real treat. A visit with a man who recently gave Nashville his farewell concert at the age of 80. None other than Ronnie Millsap. Until then, Lee Arnold reminding you to stay safe and keep it country.